right, and welcome to another episode of the Hoodat Jedi. And sitting in my Star Wars room, somewhere deep in the heart of Gentilly, is uh, Dave. Hi, this is Dave Glado. And Fredo. Hello, this is Alfredo Narvaez. And uh, we are all celebrating a, a big Saints win on Monday Night Football. Um, we're waiting for we're on star we're on star wars eve this is star wars eve isn't it yes because the rise of skywalker comes out tomorrow i have my tickets for seven thirty. so hooray and uh yep so can't wait can't wait can't wait um i think uh yeah i, I think it's i think it's going to be as long as it's fun that's all i care you know but the thing i'm really interested about is i remember when i was at celebration and this first time you heard the emperor cackle and it was, how are they going to explain this? I don't know what the storyline is going to be other than that. The emperor's in it somehow. And I just want to know how they're going to work this one out. So that's, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. So you've talked about leaving your expectations at the door. And I think that's good advice. Um, one of the things that immediately, um, came to mind for me when I started seeing that some of the reactions, early reactions have been mixed, um, was Attack of the Clones and what it was like in that, in that point of my fandom to embrace Star Wars and have it not be cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if a, a lot point. of people remember back then, mm-hmm. but that was, I thought this was a great movie. I loved it. I was like, I got to go see this again. I thought it was an improvement on The Phantom Menace at the time. Uh, I'm still kind of on the fence about which one's better now, but um, I'm still excited about it. And I didn't understand the negativity, but I could. I did understand the negativity was very loud and very present. So it's funny. I love Facebook memories. And um, this week, my Facebook memory has been inundated with um, from when The Last Jedi came out because I just had rotator cuff surgery. Yeah, that's right. And so I was captive in my house. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to watch. I did it in the machete order, my machete order, because I think you should. I, I think it's kind of cool. I did um, four, five, and then go back to one. Mm-hmm two and three and then six everybody says skip one i like the phantom menace I, I d- you know people who don't like the phantom menace just i don't i, don't, I mean I, again i think they're just beaten down by life because it was a fun movie and it was exactly what george lucas said it was going to be basically but anyway um so that was my machete word i'm looking through this and there was one post that i had again from a couple of years ago which it said um people always ask me what my favorite star wars movie is and i said they're like you know, I don't have kids, but I said, they're like my kids. I said, I love them all equally. I said, that being said, episode two needs to go back to college and episode three needs to quit drugs. <laughs> so, you know, I, I enjoy those movies, but they're the ones where it's just like, if it's on TNT, like I'll flip over to something else and watch periodically because I've talked about it before. My, I, uh, I mean, it was the Padme, you know, brushing her hair and oh anakin can we go oh, yeah. we've talked about this mm-hmm. before i've just i was just like ugh, you know the anakin in the clone wars i've said it a gazillion times is i can believe that anakin became darth vader you know and there's just some of the and i it's just some of the acting and george lucas is not an actor's director you no, know but but they also, I think, when they tried to do these super cuts with you know this was a great hayden christensen cut and here's a great you know um 
cut by you and McGregor, and then you put them together, and they just it's not there's no there's chemistry. No life, well, there's no life to them, and that's so, part of the dynamic of taking from here and there. They doesn't it doesn't flow naturally. And the right. worst line of any Star Wars movie is "You underestimate my power." Yeah, and that's <laughs> but anyway. But here's the thing: mileage varies on those movies, and we could talk prequels. Or, or that's a whole episode easily. Um, that's several episodes probably. But I think, like for me anyway, that feeling of the the fan base had kind of turned on itself, and now here we are, after Last Jedi, which had been divisive, um, critic critical reviews so far very mixed. With the new movie, um, I think it's I think it's really important for us to just like take a step back from it when we're going in. We're going in blind still, and we're it's like just go ahead and you know take it so, on its own merits and and see what so, you like about it because that outside noise you can't let it get you down. So you know what's interesting? You say that about Attack of the Clones. I, I can remember actually weirdly enough, I saw that movie twice in the same day on opening day when it came out. Yeah. Like I was saw it in, I went and saw it in the afternoon, and then for some reason I ended up by Esplanade Mall back when they had the old theater, and it was me and my brother Abe, and we're like, "Want to go back and see it again?" Yeah, let's go back and see it again. So we just bought tickets and just walked into our late night showing and just saw it again. Uh, and it's interesting because I didn't do that for Phantom Menace. I mean, I did go back and see it. I did the same thing for Rancho the Sith. Uh, and I think that's one of those things where in the moment you're just glad to get new Star Wars. And that's one of those things that for a long time didn't exist. For a long time when you said Star Wars, it was the stuff that happened on TV, that came from TV and not again, or whenever you got VHS or home movies or, you know, Laserdisc, DVD, when, they, when the home media market kind of exploded, it was, oh, they're on a shelf and you just throw them on whenever you want. Mm-hmm. And that was the extent of it. That was the limitations of it. And also the idea of getting new Star Wars was always like, that's neat. That's okay. I haven't seen this. Let's go. And then, and then it's not yeah. until I think yeah. until it became part of, okay, now you get to shelve it alongside the other ones that the criticism really got into earnest because now you have to contextualize that movie that used to be the new Star Wars against everything else that has that same title. And that's where I think some of the dynamics and some of the criticism, and a lot of the flaws get exposed because, you know, the more you look at, it, at something, it's kind of like if you see a word, the longer you stare at it, the, the less sense it, start, it makes, the more it starts to look kind of weird. So I think you'd run into that issue with uh, these movies because you see it again, you see it again, and you know, it's, every little uh, flaw pops out. You know, it, I, I think The Last Jedi gets a bad rap as well. But of mm-hmm. course, my favorite story about that one was, you know, I saw The Last Jedi three days post-surgery or two or actually about two days post-surgery. And I remember when they were, we were scheduling my rotator cuff surgery, they're like, it's like, okay, well, how about we'll do it for this day? And um, then I re- quickly realized, oh, crud, that's when The Last Jedi comes out. I was like, can we do it a couple days earlier? Oh, yeah, Tuesday's open. All right, yeah, let's do it on Tuesday. So, yeah, I had on Tuesday, and we went to the Thursday showing. I had, st- I was on drugs. I mean, I, they gave me a pain, what called a pain ball, which was like this baseball-sized thing of drugs that was connected to my neck that I could control if I needed a little bit. So I remember this was an actual thought in the theater when I'm watching this movie going, am I enjoying this? Yeah, I, th- I think I am. I, but that was like, maybe it's a, so I didn't, you know, it was one, it was a totally different star Wars movie than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch it now, since then I like it more. And so I think, 
you know, I think The Last Jedi gets a, just gets a bad rap. So if you think about that movie, and I'd say Attack of the Clones, I go back to my experience with that. Um, those are two of the most ambitious movies in the canon in terms of trying something different and 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 trying to fit a bunch of things in. If you notice, it's the second movie of the trilogy because Empire, when mm-hmm. it came out, was not well received by everybody. So and, now, and I've heard that that's a critique of this movie. It's too packed. Um, there's too much. They try to do too much. It's too ambitious. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm. If you're ambitious, I'm going to reward you with. I'm going to so, I'm going to enjoy it more. I we've, just am. We've talked about checking it, you know, expectations at the door, mm-hmm. and this is no spoiler here or anything like that. Um, it was just one thing I've always been thinking about because you know J.J. Abrams has been talking about linking the pre. This is going to be linking the prequels and the original, you know, trilogy, and mm-hmm. everything's going to be linked together. So this is the last thing we'll say before we move on to our little trivia bit here. Um, Yes or no, are we going to see Force Ghost Anakin? Are we going to see Force Ghost Hayden Christensen in this movie? I think yes. I think we will. I think that if we're trying to tie everything together. <laughs> Hi, I'm Hayden Christensen. Christensen. <laughs> yes, it's going to happen. It's going to run through your head the moment you pop, he pops in and sees it. Because there's been some kind of news about potentially bringing Hayden and James Earl Jones to do some kind of either Darth Vader series or mini series or some, some other project. It's been rumored because, yeah. you know, there was because uh, apparently Hayden turned up at Galaxy's Edge and there's been some interviews with him. So, you know, it's, it's one thing he's I think he's reaching the point in his life kind of where he's made his peace with what that experience was like, kind of like what happened to Mark Hamill who for years kind of was trying to find his way away from Luke Skywalker and then eventually just kind of came back to it. Uh, what was I going to say? I just I think we will see him just because. If we're trying to bring it back together, he's a big part of it. And look, it, you know, for the two movies, we've seen Ray and Kylo Ren fight for his lightsaber. So it's it's the sort of Anakin that yeah. everybody's been wielding and calling, you know, Excalibur, the Excalibur of Star Wars. So, Dave, what do you think? Not do you want to? I do you think we will? Yeah, I'm really on the fence about it. I don't feel strongly about it. Um, I do think, I think they've paved the way for that to happen. Um, like the way that he appeared at Celebration and was warmly embraced. And then um, how he was quickly, um, there was, I think, some con that he was supposed to be at and they canceled, he had to cancel. Right. And, and it was kind of like how Ray Park canceled um the Wizard World con here uh, two years ago, right before right. Solo, right. and looking looking back, hindsight being twenty twenty, it's like oh, somebody had some voiceover work to, or some some not voiceover but the uh, the filming to do. Anyway, and sorry. We've all, and we've all seen the artwork, right? Mm-hmm. The concept art of of him being like half man, half you know evil thing or whatever. And so I, you know, I certainly they paid the way for it i just have my doubts i just don't think that jj i think he's going to pay respects to the prequels but i don't think he's going to try to incorporate them to large effect that's the that's the other thing that uh this podcaster i've listened to you know he was he similarly was like you know he wants to see all the gungans and battle droids and you know um 
Ewoks and everything at the last, he said he wants all the force ghosts. He wants just a ton of force ghosts, you know, to be coming out. So anyway, all right. So Rise of Sky, we'll know tomorrow. You know, Return of the Jedi was originally envisioned that way of, of a fight. Well, yeah, because Yoda the... and Yoda and uh, Obi Wan come back, and yeah, actually, yeah. and we're supposed to actually be involved in the conflict, not be bystanders. Yeah, and um, they just didn't go that direction. So that's been sitting on the shelf for thirty years now, and um, there's no bad, no idea that can't be recycled. <laughs> So uh, the last episode, we started a new little bit here. I pulled out the uh, Trivial Pursuit Star Wars Saga Edition. It is uh, covers episodes one through six. So we're testing our Star Wars geekdom this time. I'll ask the first question of Fredo, and then Fredo will ask Dave, and Dave will ask me. So I don't know what categories these are. I'd need the instructions anymore. And it's getting late in the night, so I have to hold the card further away from my face. Um, so... Here we go. Um, what planetary system is found to have been purged from the Jedi archives? Oh, trying to remember. There's a Mandalorian link there here. There's a Mandalorian link there. That's a episode two Attack of the Clones uh, link there. Oh, shoot. I can picture the planet. I can picture the race of people in it. I cannot think of the name. Starts with a K. Oh, uh, Camino. There you go. Camino there you go. It's it's like you had an office party tonight, so we'll forgive <laughs> you. And you just started drinking beer, so, you know. <laughs> Not a good idea. Not a good idea. By the way, yeah, there was uh, other ones in here that was kind of funny. Uh, we were just talking about this to everybody at the table. What character in Phantom Menace was portrayed by an actor who performed his own stunts but had his lines overdubbed? Ray Park. There you go. Darth Maul and Ray yeah. Park. Yep. Okay, now who dubbed his lines? Do you remember the name of the actor? Uh, I don't remember who dubbed his lines. Oh, the the act. Well, um, we have a dog trying to break in. Uh, I believe his name is Peter Serafinowicz. He's better known to everybody as uh, Sean's roommate in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. He was also in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's got this nice voice. This is why Fredo's on my trivia team. Right. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Yeah. That's, he that's, does good work. He, that's the voice of, of Darth Maul. <laughs> All right. Oh, in Solo, they used the Clone Wars actor. Yeah, mm -hmm. Sam Witwer. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's see. Uh, what Jedi, spe uh, speaking of Attack of Clones, what Jedi speaks for the Geonosian Arena survivors when he says, we will not be hostages to be bartered, Dooku? Well, that would be the esteemable Mace Windu. Correct. Best, be I, actually, first best uh, um Star Wars moment is when Ray the lightsaber flies into Ray's hand. Mm -hmm. Second best moment of any Star Wars movie is when Samuel L. Jackson is walking into up behind Count Dooku and lightsaber to the throat. Purple this, lightsaber. Purple this, this party's over, Dooku. You know, it's like and when you see Sam when you when you see Sam Jackson walking strutting in, it's like, oh yeah. That's that's a great <laughs> moment. Anyway, go ahead. Moment. Um okay, so uh this question is for you, Aaron. Um, what type of starfighters make up the green squadron at the Battle of Endor? Those would be the A-Wings. You are correct, sir. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that's our trivia. You can Hopefully you're playing along. We give you enough time to answer. Um, so, yep. That'll probably be one of the New Year's games we play is Star Wars trivia. And... Uh, Drive all the non-Star Wars people nuts. Yeah, that's true. Let us know if you like it. 
too. Yeah. You like the trivia stuff. So. We're, yeah. We, you know, this, this podcast, we never really tell you where to find us. We're on Podbean, right? Yep. And um, so, and you can find us on Twitter at uh, Who Dat Jedi and um, Facebook. on Facebook as well. Yep. So please uh, let us know what you think. And uh, right now, this podcast has been talking about nothing but really the Mandalorian because it's just uh, easy, uh, easy fodder for us right now. And we're up to episode six, and this is The Prisoner. And starts off with the Mandalorian flying into some hangar where he meets up with the guy from uh, Batman Begins. <laughs> Sons yeah. of Anarchy, yeah. And uh, that was... Looking fr- like the way he looked know, like um, It's funny because one of the guys, Blind Wave on uh, YouTube, they're a great group of guys to watch reaction videos for anything. And uh, one of the guys said the exact same thing I was thinking when I first saw that. I was like, wow, you don't like falafel? You know, it's, <laughs> I, I, but that's not the first Batman reference in this episode either. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But so he flies in and he gets a job as part of a crew. And that's where all the cameos kick in. Um, one being noticed Tonks from the Harry Potter yeah. series. Natalia Tana, a.k.a. also known as Osha you know, this, Game of Thrones. This podcast is awful because it's like we got Chubbs, we got Tonks. Tonks. And we got the Kurgan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, okay, you so said we got the Kurgan. From you know, Clancy Brown as... I don't even know. I don't even remember if they said his name. They might have. But here's what's here's what's cool about this. I mean, we got a Twi'lek, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and we got the uh, the Devorian. Is that Devorian, what they're called? Yeah. Um, you know, the devil dude from uh, you know, the species cantina. from the cantina. That was so much fun because I got to point him out to um his species to my kids because we watched A New Hope like right at almost right after watching this episode, and uh, I was like, you gotta look out in the cantina and see if you can see one of. See, that's good parenting, Dave. <laughs> you know, so but but so that is what I like that they're not creating just new species. Yeah, that was one of my complaints about Force Awakens. It's like I wanted to see more of those familiar species that we'd seen before. Yeah, I mean, but anyway, so we uh we get a job and they're going to go and well there's also a droid who is voiced by the guy from the IT crowd. Um and um then that that's that's the crew for right now. Oh no! And then there's uh, the comedian uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Who, who, who was, it's hilarious that after appearing on this, he had to go back and defend himself because he'd been talking eh, somewhat about the Mandalorian and Star Wars in general. He's not had any, no his comedy bits had not necessarily been all Star Wars positive to put it mildly. And so it's hilarious that he was like all of a sudden he's in a Star Wars episode. And he's like, dude, you were talking all that junk what happened so but but i think what i find interesting is we mentioned in the last episode how the series is pushing mando further and further into extremes and this is another step in that line he's going to some place that he knows is not to his benefit to talk to take a job from people he cannot trust from the i mean it's and he has to work with people yeah from the moment he gets down the ship it's almost like they all had a big old sign saying, we will betray you at some point in this story. <laughs> like, you know, he's about, they might as well have had it written it out and I had cheerleading squad saying it. Which fast forward to the very end of the episode, like the last line is when he turns to baby Yoda and says, I told you that was going to be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we'll talk about later. But I mean, yeah, you're right. It's like the minute they get off you, it's like, 
you know, he said he was an Imperial sharpshooter. And he's like, well, that's not saying much. I wasn't a stormtrooper. My monkey. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, they're making fun. Yeah, but that I've, I, I thought actually everybody, I liked all the characters in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, I hated them, but I liked yeah. that. I hated them. Right. You know, they're but, just despicable. But I just thought, terrible. I mean, this was, it was like in the last episode we talked about, I didn't feel like what's her bucket in the, the mechanic and the, the fanboy. It just was kind of some bad acting. This was actually really good acting. They they created a character, and I mean, even though it was you know Tonks, mm-hmm. it wasn't. Now I will say that I I didn't really like the vampire esque way that they portrayed Twilex, but whatever. I don't know. There's just too much. In, you <laughs> so know. And yeah. Was, but anyway, whatever. I'll I get over that. But like I said, each one of them, it was they were just good characters, and and good antagonists to the, uh, to the Mandalorian. So, um, so they need the Mandalorian ship because I found this interesting. It, we, we now know that it predates the empire. Um, so this is an old ship and cause it's off. They, it, it's a ghost. They say, you yeah, know, it's, it's off the charts on anybody's list. So they need, they need, um, they need his ship to get in and uh, into a, Imperial prison, uh, prison ship. I immediately New Republic thought, prison ship. New Republic, yes, a New Republic prison ship. I immediately started thinking about you know all the Irish songs that I sing about prison ships, you know, and it's like, think about this. They just put you on a ship and you're just floating out in space, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, um, so they uh, swoop in and they're off to go pick up or free this prisoner. Um, I know I just fast forwarded through a whole lot. Is there anything you want to talk about that I missed leading up to this point that we're docking into the ship? Because again, this podcast, we don't really talk about the plot per se. It kind of helps so move us along. The droid character ends up piloting the ship and some of the broadcast from Chubbs begins to periodically pop up for him, which is a tell that eventually these unsavories are also going to figure out that Mando is valuable and we did miss something is that as they're kind of band having their banter on the ship on their way to the prison ship the door opens and there's baby yoda looking at everybody yep and um he said what is this a you know like a pet or something yeah something like that you know and so now you're like the guys hold baby yoda and it's like i think another meme i saw somewhere or somebody posted said i swear to god if anybody hurts baby yoda i will like lay waste to everybody you know mm-hmm. and when the ship starts a rocket and he drops baby yoda again there's a moment where my wife and i went ah! <laughs> you know i'm beginning to think that they know what they have I, like when we first started this i thought oh they're gonna off baby yoda because they had no idea how big this character would be um but then this episode's got me rethinking that because like they are they are trying to elicit an emotional response from people by by having these unsavories like basically pass baby Yoda around amongst themselves. So yeah, they're, uh, they're interested in baby Yoda and they, um, um, like I said, baby Yoda gets dropped and then the Mandalorian puts him back in his room and, you know, and baby Yoda is just the typical toddler. doesn't stay where they're supposed to, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, but, um, anyway, so yeah, they get on this prison ship and it is, occupied by droids and that's an important thing that was told to mandalorian that you know those were the only you know things they're going to be dealing with um 
which I find interesting because when they fast forward, when they actually come in contact with a human on the ship, yeah, you know, his code kicks in. He has no problem laying waste to droids, but it's like, it's kind of what I, what struck me. And I know I'm fast forwarding a lot here. That's um, fine, yeah. I'm, we're going to probably skip around here, but I want to, I want to talk about, um, well, no, I won't. I'll talk about it later when we get there. So first of all, they're going through the halls and they get pinned down by some droids. And they said, and all of a sudden the Mandalorian isn't there. And everybody's like, geez, okay, he, he split. Mm-hmm. And that's when we first see Mandalorian really in his badassery as it is. Because all of a sudden from behind the ro- from behind the droids, he comes in and just cleans house. And I just thought you, we've talked about, you know, Boba Fett fanboy type stuff. This was everybody's, you know, oh, my God, dream. I don't know. What did you think about him taking out all the all the droids? I think, I mean, first of all, you needed to have that moment in some way because through the start of the episode, all the other characters kind of been picking at Mando. You know, making fun of him, threatening Baby Yoda. It's kind of like the really... rookie on the Saints that all of a sudden, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah. does a big play you know and yeah and it's like there's a reason why they wanted him there even though they know one another and uh, that there's no trust there but you know throughout the episode they've been picking on him so you needed that moment to kind of reset him back to okay this is how good he is this is what he can do and kind of put them on the spot of okay if we go up against them we might lose and then they knock him back down by saying clean up your mess they're exactly. not they, they play it off as they're not impressed right mm-hmm. which they clearly are, but at the same time, there's also, again, there's no trust there. So because there's no trust, there can also be respect. Now, I will say we talked about, you know, I like how they're use, revisiting some old aliens from the original saga. Um, I like how their droids are different, though. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. the droids that they have in this series so far because this one they have with the crew, Zero, mm-hmm. He's kind of a different looking droid. And these guard droids kind of look like the commando droids from um, the Clone Wars uh, animated series a little bit. It's yeah. that. But um, I do, like I said, I do like the droids. And the, I mean, again, the special effects and has been great. I mean, they're obviously CG. But um, so they make their way. They get to the control room. And there is a human in there, which, by the way, is the actor Matt Lanter who was the voice of Anakin from the Clone Wars. Fun yes. trivia. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Chicago from Pitch Perfect 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> My nerddom knows no bounds. That's all right. That's why we're on a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting, I mean, because it makes sense that there would be a human handler. You wouldn't have an old droid crew. You'd have somebody who's human on top and on charge of making decisions here. And also because you need to establish a certain separation between Mando and his teammates, for lack of a better word at this moment. Yeah. You need to establish that he's not like them anymore. They're gross and awful, and he still has some standards. Well, and sorry, I got to back up a little bit more. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. But as they're walking, they're seeing the cells. We're getting glimpses into the cells. And by the way, I want to say what I liked about this, this episode was the way it was shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like the quick quick edits i like the camera angles i like the lighting i think this was probably palette. i think this was probably the best shot episode i mean mm-hmm. 
that we've had so far. I just really dig it. But anyway, so we see in the cells, we see an imperial like uh, officer. officer. We see like a the the species of Rio Durant from uh, Solo, which mm -hmm. makes sense because that's what John Favreau voiced, you know, in Solo. Um, what else we see in there? Um, hmm. Uh, those are the two, two, two that really stuck out. But I like those little quick glimpses. It almost reminded me of Silence of the Lambs when Clarice is walking to, you know, Hannibal Lecter and, you know, getting a little bit of, you know, prisoners here and there. But mm -hmm. thank God it, that's where it stopped. But anyway, <laughs> so we get to we get to Matt Lanter and he's like the, the human. He's got four people, you know, pointing guns, pointing at guns at him. And he's obviously really scared. And the Mandalorian has a code that, this guy was, he has nothing to do with why we're here and he's not going to, you know, lay waste to him. And it reminded me of, um, my wife, um, when she was at school, she previously taught at, um, it was after, um, one of the Mardi Gras where there was a shooting down, um, you know, around the parade route and her kids in the class the next day or like that next week or whatever saying, that is just absolutely wrong that basically they were saying that's against the code that, you know, that it's, if you're going to, you know, shoot it out, you're going to have it out. You know, you don't do it around a bunch of, you don't do it at school. You don't do it, you know, around a bunch of innocent people. So it's like, there's an honor among thieves, if you will, you know? Um, well, it's interesting is that at that moment, I just thought to every heist movie and every uh, bank robbery movie when the masks come off and somebody spots the thieves with the masks is like, okay, you've been exposed. This person cannot live because otherwise he's going to be around and somebody's going to question him. It's going to get back that it was this person and this person, this person. There was somebody wearing Mandalorian armor and you're like, when once you start doing the math at that point, it's like, okay, this person's going to die. Well, we talked about it in episode three when one of the he spared the doctor. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was, we all were kind of like, well, yeah, this kind of shows you that he's just not going to kill an innocent. Mm -hmm. And that shows you something about his character. But that's why he's being tracked all over the galaxy yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. He left that guy alive. And, and that's, uh, I don't think anyone else in that complex would have necessarily been able to ID him. Um, so it was that decision that really put him on this course. Mm -hmm. So the, the new Republic officer has a, a beacon mm -hmm. that it's a tracking beacon that will. And then the droid zero says new Republic is alerted. They'll be here in 20, 20 minutes. minutes. Right. Which and, I think is this ship because they ran through a lot to get to the control room and then a lot to get to the cell they were looking into, but then it felt, and then they ran back and it was a lot of running through the ships. I was, but from the shots of the special effects, I didn't get a sense that that was that big, but I guess it was. Yeah, it, I, I don't know, but yeah, the concept of time here was a little shaky. <laughs> so they, so they, they know they're being tracked. They got twenty minutes to get the prisoner, and they bust him out. And this is when the old switcheroo kicks in, and they kick the Mandalorian into the cell. And, and what and I found interesting is that the prisoner, and I forget his name, Sean Quinn. Quinn. He knows the Mandalorian, mm -hmm. so they've done work. I mean, they all seem to know one another. There's uh, okay, kind of at least the at least the Tonks the and Quinn yeah. and, and Mandalorian. Yeah, the they they know one another as well as the guy who put them onto the job. There's an awareness of how one another functions, 
but there's not necessarily trust there's not necessarily respect so it makes you think what happened between them that makes them that may put them in the spot because at that moment you're thinking okay they you know of course they're going to betray the mandalorian that's what they've been setting him up for all episode long and of course he's going to find a way out yeah so and which he does and so he uh ends up it's so cool how he got that droid and ripped his arm off and then yep. you know yeah broke it broke his way out but however i do like how the it, it, i saw i saw somebody mention it was on some youtube clip or something how they're kind of making fun of the fact that technology for unlocking doors in star wars hasn't changed in you know since episode four or since you know episode one really if you want to go chronologically but i'm like looking at my own doors going yeah ours haven't either Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know people get so hung up about how it's like why don't the tie fighters look different in episode seven they just look like the old tie fighters but with a different paint job it's like look at a you know 79 mustang and look at a 1990 mustang you know and they pretty much look like the same car just with a couple little things sanded down and different paint job so it's just funny how people kind of freak out over the technology hasn't advanced and it's like which also i mean when you also got to realize this is a galaxy that's been in a state of constant war for four decades give or take i mean between the clone wars the um the time of the empire and then this galactic civil war it's really, really been, you know, technology leaps forward during war, but it takes decades afterwards for that, all that technology that was developed for war to disseminate down to, you know, people, to you know, normal society. You know, things for everything like the microwave or Velcro or you know, crazy glue, you know, stuff that was done to help in military functions. And then it took years for that to find its way onto commercial, you know, non-military functions. Here's, before we move on back to the Mandalorian, here's my other rant is that the people who complain that the Vader helmet in episode three was not the same as the Vader helmet in episode four. And I'm like, would you be wearing the same underwear 18 years later? <laughs> you know, well, it's that thing's got to start smelling after a while. And yeah, you're probably going to get a different helmet. But I mean, it's it, again, that's where Star Wars fandom starts to tick me off after a little bit. It's like, you know, let's think about things a little bit ra- well, more rationally is, here. It's been explained away. I mean, if you looked at, it's been said, you know, it's been written in, uh, forget how many countless books, comics, whatever, that Vader would continue to tweak his armor and try to make improvements of it to try to make it better. So it makes sense. This is the thing that's keeping him alive. He's not just going to... Yeah, you know, stick with the same design that he got slapped but I don't, on. But I don't need comic books and books to tell me that, that his helmet's going to change because I'm not wearing the same pants that I did when I was, you know, in my 20s. I'm just, that's, so anyway, I'm, 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 off, my, I'm off my rant there. I think but. that in this particular case, you're looking at a situation where you're trying to establish Mando as even more of a bad A. Um, a guy who can really take care of business. And you're you're also just trying to bust them out of there so that the story can advance right you know so it doesn't have to be any more complicated than, than so that. so he does break out and he makes his way back to the control room and then it now becomes a batman movie mm-hmm. yeah lights go red you know and everybody is now being hunted and he See, is i thought of alien i mean so similar similar yeah. i mean there's so yeah. many 
So the, I mean, where I really saw Batman was at one point where the strobe lights were going behind, I think it was, um, Mayfeld Mm -hmm. and you saw the Mandalorian a little bit, then you didn't see him. Then you saw him a little bit more. I mean, this whole thing turned into an eighties horror movie at this point, (laughs) you know, it was, uh, and again, he was just, he was hunting everybody. Yep. He's locking and, doors. He's separating them. He's splitting them. He's letting them fight one another. So and you start to figure out that they, they don't trust one another either. And I thought every single one of them was dead. I mean, especially when the Devorian, you know, uh, oh, when the door the, slammed. The door slammed on him. I, mm-hmm. I mean, that harkened back to the first episode. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm like, okay. Ooh, I mean, when that happened, I went, Ooh, my good God. All right. And then everybody else, it just, they played it off. Last. I was like convinced that everybody was dead. Meanwhile, Zero finds Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. And we have our own little Jurassic Park, you know, home alone. Home alone. <laughs> yeah. You know, thing going on the Razor Crest with Baby Yoda. And I, that was, that was just funny. I mean, I was like, you know, I was expecting Baby Yoda to do some, do some stuff. Um, and so I think I've talked about best star Wars moment was the lightsaber going into Ray's hand. Second best, um, was, uh, Oh, I can't remember what I said. Mace Windu. Mace Windu. That's right. Third best is when baby Yoda, I'm sorry, I'm fast forwarding here, but baby Yoda is holding out his hand and he's going to do some stuff with the force. And all of a sudden, you know, the droid basically blows up and then they have the puppet, look at his hand like, oh my God, I did that? Because <laughs> the Mandalorian took him out. Uh, I just thought that was an awesome moment. I don't know. What you guys? Yeah, it was guys... lovely. Yeah, it was what Because yeah, I find it interesting is, and it's something we've said in past episodes, they like setting stuff off and paying it off in the same episode. Normally, because they're making a big deal of zero, you know, kind of reverse engineering Chubbs. <laughs> Uh, grief cargo or jobs is a message to man to mando when he brought back uh baby yoda initially so clearly he's paying attention to that and he figures out okay this is a valuable asset that can get paid whatever so he goes to track it down and you would think okay he's this is gonna end up with he's gonna get out with baby yoda and mandalorian's gonna have to track him down nope it pay, gets paid off in the same episode he finds him he's gonna shoot him and next thing you know you know, Baby Yoda puts out his hand and he blows up, and that's it. Yeah. So they're and very they're very good about tying everything off within the episode. And it's also like we talked about. You know, they put in humor without being gaggy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just by him, the puppet looking at his hand. I mean, that I mean that's, that's physical comedy. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, and it's and it's a puppet. And it's you just you like you have to lean into physical comedy because, like you said, he's a puppet. But for the Mandalorian, it's the same deal. He's this armored guy. You never see his face. You can't convey emotion in that way other than through body language. And so there's, um, they have to lean into those sorts of. But of course, and it's also good because, I mean, it was a really intense episode. There was a lot of knives being thrown. There was a lot of droids being, you know, cut. the blood coming out of the, you know, droid's arm when he ripped it off. Did you notice that? Yeah. The oil, you know, I mean, this is pretty great. Like I said, it was a it was an '80s horror movie, and then you've got to have that moment of levity mm-hmm. to make everybody just kind of because you're. And it was at the perfect point because 
your nerves are tense and it's like, oh my God, they're going to, he's going to shoot baby. And I remember I said, they can't go to that well too many more times. They did it again. We thought, you know, the shot was at baby Yoda. I don't know how many times this is going to happen, but we fall for it every single time. But then, you know, just to have that one look at his hand, it was like, uh, you let him down. And then of course, um, and I'm kind of hustling through the plot because Dave, you said you had a lot of, a lot of things on your mind for this episode. So I want to get to that. But so he goes back to the, the hangar where the guy from Batman, you know, begins, begins right. was, and, um, gets off the, uh, the ship with, uh, Quinn and he says, Hey, where's everybody else? And he says, no questions asked. Right. You know, he's like, yep, that's the policy. And, um, of course that's, I think when they cut and we see that everybody's locked up in a, um, in, a cell. in a cell or maybe it's a little bit later, but anyway, so nobody died again. He, he could have very easily killed all of them, but he didn't. And maybe it isn't, maybe it is one of those things where that wasn't the job. Right. You know, I don't know why I don't know what it is, but well, maybe you know. it's baby Joda's influence. Maybe you know, maybe uh, being a parent is shifting his perception on the value of life. Well, I think I think it probably goes a little bit. I mean, he obviously has no problem killing. Killing. Well, in self defense. Right, but I think he could have argued self defense in all of this. Mm, you know, he probably would have. But um, so anyway, we find out that the tracking beacon is on Quinn, and three X-Wings come out of hyperspace as the Razor Crest is flying past. Because he, he gets paid and they're, you know, uh, Batman Begins guys you know, uh, tries to scramble a fighter to go out and shoot him out of the sky. Yeah, shoot him, yep. And the uh, X-Wing fighters were uh, Dave Filoni and um, Deborah Chow mm-hmm. who was doing the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. She did a couple episodes of Mandalorian. Episode, the Sanctuary episode. And then actually the director of this episode, I can't remember his name, um, Pardon me, last name starts with an F. But anyway, um, so that was kind of some neat cameos, and they blow up the uh, space station. The station. That's vengeful, though. I mean, like, we're talking about how he's practicing restraint with the others. So it makes you wonder, like, well, why in this case he's like, screw these guys, they can die. I, I think. Well, it's, I, think, I think it's because those two are the ones that set me up. These guys were the ones that, you know, that were hired to that would be my impression as well yeah that were to get me so you know they were doing a job just like i would be doing a job you know so locking you up but you two are the ones i have a beef with you know so i think that was probably why but it shows limited growth i guess because we're giving him credit for you know showing restraint with these others but when push comes to shove with these two who he thinks really did wrong him he's like okay but you're, it's a, you're gone. But it's also a question of he knows he can't neutralize them in pen to hand because they're you know he's not on their he's on their turf. There's way more uh, people can get involved, get in his way, and he he may just be simply be looking to see, okay, you know, what are you gonna do to me? And then you know when they pay him and send them off, he's like, oh, you're totally gonna betray me. Well, but again, I'm sorry, but it is very uh, getting back to my Batman thing. Mm-hmm. It was Batman Begins when he says, "I'm not gonna kill I, you know. I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you." Mm-hmm. He didn't kill those two. Oh, he uh, killed them because he brought that little tracker thing and he planted it. Well, on them, so, I he, mean, he put the tracker thing. And he didn't know that X wings were going to. What I'm saying is that he didn't. It, there, there's a little. It, there's a it, little wiggle room. There's, there's a little wiggle room. 
Um, That's come up and. But uh, so then we I, last episode I mentioned this and I so I got ahead of myself. Then we get to what I thought was very interesting. First of all, I like that the Mandalorian screws off the gear shift knob and you know gives it to Yoda again, right. uh, baby Yoda. And um, but then he says, "I told you this wasn't a good idea," <laughs> which then makes me wonder: Are what are those? conversations or is this or is this like <laughs> is this like me looking at one of my dogs saying i told you this wasn't gonna be a good idea you know I, I that's gotta, probably what it is <laughs> yeah it's, i gotta kind of like like if you were talking to one of your kids going like you know just talking to yourself but your kid's presence are you talking to them you're directing at them but they're looking at you like whatever but you're working through your own thought process because like i said we know he's getting driven to take on more desperate jobs from shadier and shadier people this was one of them and so he knows that maybe he didn't leave on good terms. He definitely knows he can't trust them. He also knows he needs to get paid because he needs fuel and repairs and all the other stuff. You know, I think it, it also show it's man, talk about the growth. I mean, when they first with he and baby Yoda it was don't touch that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I told you that was a bad idea. Unscrew the thing. Here you go. Play with it. You know? So, I mean, it's again, he's, he's the typical, again, the dad that we don't need a dog. And now the dog is his best friend, you know? So, um, so I mean, it was a fun episode and it, again, I didn't really feel like it propelled the overall story. That's why in the last episode we talked. So that's why I came to the conclusion. This is just very episodic. It's right. like, this is the Mandalorian adventure for these 40 minutes and it was fun. Um, it showed me, it, we saw more of his skills in, you know, how cunning he is, how, you know, his, I guess a little bit more of his moral compass, I suppose. But, um, um, and like I said, I love the way the whole episode was shot. Um, but, uh, yeah, what do you overall, well, this is where I might be able to wax poetic. Go for it. If you guys mm-hmm. are ready. Go. Um, so, I got a beer. That's all good. Yeah. So we, we talked about this idea of, the, is there a through line? Is there a point where are we going? What, what, what is the, um, what's the ultimate story? Um, because these are so self-contained, these episodes so far. Um, the one thing I always circle back to, the major theme of this series, for me anyway, is that we all have this baggage and we all have this armor that we put up around ourselves. And in this case, obviously, it's literally manifested in the armor with the Mandalorian. Now, is there value in shedding that armor? And... I think like over the course of this season anyway, we've seen some growth from him in that regard. We've seen him begin to allow these other characters into his life. He allows himself to care for some of these characters. So we're seeing that begin to happen. Um, I think we have multiple sections of dialogue Um dedicated to this concept that he can't remove his helmet and we've discussed that and like what does that mean within the canon but um for me it creates this this question of well when's it gonna happen um because what what's what's going to be the the thing for him to commit the sin what what will cause him to do this will it be his choice will it be somebody else's choice will um, how significant of an event will it be? I mean, it needs to be significant at this point, right? Because like we've dedicated so much time uh, into telling that 
story. Like this is this has almost become tiresome in a way because you think about the number of times people around him have spoken to this. Oh, he can't take his helmet off, um, which is kind of cool because it reveals something about the characters who um, are making those statements. Like with the widow, for example, she was very respectful um, of that. And she wanted to hear his story. Whereas with like the Twi'lek in this episode, it was something to mock him over. So it reveals something more about the people he's interacting with more so than it does about him. But it's still kind of something like we're going to keep bringing this up. So we're bringing this up for, for other reasons, I think. Um, and so beyond that, like you have, you have this level of, the theme of shedding our armor and you have this level of he literally can't take his helmet off um we also have thematically it keeps i keep seeing this it like going on in the background either in a in a background shot or uh within the plot of a particular episode um that that theme keeps coming up um and i'll just run through a couple of these like chapter one um they have to find the prize. He has to penetrate the complex. He has to penetrate the armor. He has to remove the armor. And then he has to look inside the carriage, which reveals Baby Yoda to him, uh, which at this point has become the most significant character in his life as we know it. Um, in chapter two, his ship literally gets disassembled before his eyes and he has to rebuild it. Um, in chapter three, he sheds his old armor in and is basically reborn as a more powerful, effective version of himself um, by adopting new armor. And is that because he became more vulnerable by caring for this other creature? Yes. Yeah. Um, and again, go down the list. Um, chapter four, the villagers have to take down the ATST, you know, and this armored creature um he has to rebuild his ship again in chapter five uh chapter six we we again we have to penetrate this complex to achieve our objective and defeat these these robot guards you know again armored guards um so clearly this is what the story is meant to be more than anything else um the lone wolf and the cub as we've talked about um, telling this story about how baby Yoda will help the Mandalorian um, become a more whole individual. Um, I think like this is where we are and this is what I think we can definitively say what the series is about. Now, what I find interesting is I read an ar another article um, about the show um, on Slash Film from Josh Spiegel. So Spiegel or Spiegel. I can never get that right, but I'm using the German pronunciation, Spiegel. Um, and he talked about the the Kuleshov effect. Have you guys heard of this? Huh. Okay. So essentially what the Kuleshov effect is, it's a filmmaking technique that came about uh, in the early days of filmmaking, like 1910s, 1920s. Um, and so what it what it was was essentially an image or video of a man with an expressionless face mm -hmm. intercut with imagery of that is just random, you know, 
So you'd see this guy's face, then you'd see a girl in a coffin, and then they'd cut back to his face. His face never changed, but people would ascribe changes in his reaction. Right. So it's like matrixing almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so this is a filmmaking technique that's been around forever, I guess. And um, people, you know, they would ascribe this meaning to the actor in question. Oh, God, he's in grief when he sees the woman in the coffin. Or if there's a delicious meal, oh, he's hungry. Um, so this article speaks to this and, and argues that, like, where we are right now, the viewer's doing all the heavy lifting in terms of interpreting what the actors are doing. Um, Yoda and Manda are both, you know, basically blank slates. And we're, we're, we're required to put this emotion into the story. Mm -hmm. um, now, he argues that at this point, he couldn't get involved, invested in this story because of that. Like, he can't get past that particular technique. Um, and he says, like, we should unmask him to move the story forward. Um, now, I think... I think there's value in him continuing to be masked, which is like where I'm coming to. Um, a lot of people have justifiably or not been obsessed with Boba Fett in the past, um, fan obsession for decades. Um, and I think part of that reason that people were so obsessed with him was because there was a mystique around him. Well, he just looked so dang cool. He looked cool. But you also didn't know anything about him. So you could just kind of overlay whatever backstory or interesting um, abilities you wanted to put onto him. Um, when he was finally given a backstory in Attack of the Clones, it didn't live up to people's expectations. No, there we go. Um, they had 20, you know, however many years at that point, 25 years of expectations that had just built and built and built and built. Um, it just it and it didn't end up working for people. Um, I still liked it, but a lot of people didn't. So for me anyway, a reasonable takeaway from that, that experience, Lucasfilm had this happen. They literally did this with this character. Um, no backstory um, might have sufficed in that case. So on that basis, you know, since this keeping this sense of mystery um i think it can build our appreciation for for this particular character as it did for fett um and i know that the directors know this but the question then again is like when should it happen um i think it's been built up to such a degree like every episode it just, Keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up. Um, it has to be a significant event. I mean, it just has to be something major. His armor is the story. So when we get to that point, um, I think we can look back and we can say that this particular, the Kuleshov effect, it doesn't make this story a bad one. I think it's just a natural storytelling technique to lean into in this case. Um, 
because we ha we are telling the story of a man who must eventually remove his armor but just can't do it um and so like for me anyway reading that article i thought it was really interesting i learned i learned a little something more about film that i didn't know before um but i disagreed with it completely <laughs> so <laughs> you, do you want to know the best example that helps you disagree with that yeah. the greatest character in star wars history you know Darth i was Vader. i was actually just going to say that you know i had a teacher in high school that um, I took, uh, he was an English teacher, but I also took film comp and movie lit from him. I mean, obviously that was my senior year when, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. film comp and movie lit, but, uh, his, the thing he hated most was that in return of the Jedi, they took off Vader's helmet. They sullied Vader's beautiful black visage <laughs> revealing that he was a crusty old white man. I, but saying deep down we all wants to be white but i mean of course i now looking back to it i'm like dude i can't believe you're an english teacher because you just missed the whole point of the entire <laughs> of the entire trilogy but you see the point and it is like if if it gets to the point where the mandalorian is helmet on helmet off helmet on helmet off what's that going to do to his character mm -hmm. you know i mean i talked earlier you know about you know last episode about sabine you know in rebels yeah. Helmet on, helmet off, it didn't matter. But they didn't make a big deal about it. Now it's a big deal. And <clears throat> you're right. It's like, what is what is going to be... So what do, you, what do you think is going to be the thing that's going to make him take his helmet off? That's a good question. Is it going to be Baby Yoda or is it going to be the Widow? I think if there's anything that we've shown at this point, it's the Baby Yoda is what matters most to him. At least right now, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and so, I think because the widow got close, yeah, she did. And I, and I like, I like the idea of him taking it off for her as being the kind of capper to the series, or uh, eventually, like he gets to ride off into the sunset with mm -hmm. the widow. But um, there's gonna, there's going to be a point where this helmet, I think, is gonna have to come off. I don't know. Okay. I agree with you that at some point it will come off. I don't necessarily know that it has to, just because you're establishing. Because the the helmet is that's why I was comparing it to Vader. You don't think of Vader's helmet as a helmet. That's his face. The fact that he cannot move, he has no expressions, whatever, doesn't matter. From the first moment you see him in Episode Four through the moment he dies, you know, when uh, or moment before he dies and gets pulled off, you know it's a helmet. But the visual. The impact, the voice, his mannerism, the way he stands, the way he projects power and fear. All that is coming through, and it's coming through that mask. It's the reason why Empire Strikes Back's poster right up there has Vader's image. That's why it's he's the number one movie villain. And, you know, we only see his face for a few minutes in the original trilogy. That's it. Everybody, if you tell everybody what the look, look of Darth Vader, it's that helmet. That's his face. So sometimes I think that it's vital that yeah at some point in the story it must it must come off it will have to come off i just don't know that it's necessary that it does come off so early because that's who he is so he's there, a mandalorian that's that's the oath that he's taken that's the code that he's assigned himself to so the idea of removing his face yeah you could he's got a face underneath we know this but he would stop being the mandalorian at that point so, you know, there's a, and actually, you know, going back to when the armorer was saying, you know, have you taken off your helmet, but has anybody taken it off 
for you. Right. So like it, it sounds like it is a sin if it's taken off like in battle or something like that. And I'm looking at my Rebels poster here and there is a, a, a scene in Rebels when Ahsoka is fighting Vader and she slashes a clock across his helmet and actually you get, you know, his helmet is slashed in half basically and you see half Anakin, half mm-hmm. Yeah, Vader. Vader's eye. Right, right. And, that big battle. You know, and there, and that's when, so it is that, so I think there, it'd be very interesting, um, or like the Captain Phasma, uh, moment in, uh, like Last that. Jedi, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you, you know, that helmet is kind of split in half and you see right. her, the human nature mm-hmm. to her. And I almost wonder if, again, poetry rhymes, I almost wonder if we're going to see something like that. You know, um, because again, I go back to that episode. It's, it's the sin. And again, we talked about what the sin is. I still think the sin it's obvious. It was obvious that thou shalt not take off your helmet and thou shalt not have anybody take your helmet off for you. So I think, so I think that becomes a sin. Um, so it's going to be where he's probably going to have to, something is going to happen where with that helmet, with the armor, that is going to make him pull away from the Mandalorian covert, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I see that, you know, something is going to, I, I don't think it's going to be a, I'm taking off my helmet for the grand, you know, f- you know, mm-hmm. uh, the display of Pedro Pascal's face. It's, I think there's going to be something in battle when, um, my, or, kind of like the Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. you know, that when, you know, his mask is ripped off his face and you see what he looks like and then he automatically oh, hides sure. it, you know. Um, so I could see a lot of those, a lot of those kind of... It could play out a lot of different ways. Um, i just really struck by this theme this week in particular because also the name of this episode, The Prisoner, is like, He's a prisoner to his. It's, it's like it's like the last episode. The gunslinger. I don't think was the was the fanboy. I think it's whoever it was at the end. You know, I I everything is not. You know, a lot of people will say the clear choice is probably the obvious choice is probably the right choice. But I, I mean, I think they're playing with us in, yeah, in these all. things. I think you're right. The prisoner. I think I think you're right. There's a there's a double meaning there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're pretty much all these titles have had double meanings. I right, think. in some way, shape, or form, implying that well, there's more going on. Yeah. Well, because remember, a lot of we're having to imply, we're having to look at the subtext because he cannot, we cannot see his face. But in some ways, that helmet is his face. It's. I was thinking of somebody like Batman, like we're talking about Batman Begins. You know, the fact that if you look at Bruce Wayne without the mask, he's a normal guy. He needs to put on the suit, the cape, and the cowl to become Batman. The idea of you need this, you become a different persona or a different person when you put on these trappings. And he's, if he is removed or he takes off his helmet and his armor, that's why he's no longer a Mandalorian. He's no longer wearing the trappings that give him. He may still have all the skills, but he doesn't feel the same way. He's not the same character anymore. Well, he was also not born Mandalorian, to your mm-hmm. point. Right. Um, so that those feelings of not being this thing, this persona, this person, um, I'm Only sure it get worse. It would get a lot worse for someone who wasn't born into it. 
you took us to the the deepest point that we've we've been in in this podcast so far. <laughs> I mean, Drinks. yeah, that's what happens when you drink beer and talk Star Wars. But mm-hmm. no, I you know I again it goes back to the expectations of the viewer. Again, I had my expectations were there was going to be because it was only going to be eight episodes or whatever. Like we said in the last one, there was going to be point A to point B to point C to point, you know, and just mm-hmm. it was going to be clear path, you know, that here's the ultimate goal that we're reaching for. And again, it's just episodic. And it's about, you know, really, it's really the it's really the first act, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about it. I mean, it's a lot of vignettes to get us set up, you know, for things. I think, you know, I don't think you're going to see his you might see his helmet come off in the, I don't think you're going to see it until season two. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't because think that's the, you know, the second act is when conflict happens. Um, but they have, I mean, they did confirm season two is a go. They yeah. It's, make, it's being filmed. Cause, yeah. Cause it's one of those things. Uh, I know in the past when we talk about what else we were geeking about, I discussed Watchmen for a moment and that just ended this past weekend. And, What's what's interesting is the creator Damon Lindelof came out and said, "Yeah, I have some ideas about what I may do, but I may just simply leave it as is, just a self-contained nine-episode series." And sometimes, I mean, Dave Filoni has been living and breathing Star Wars for years, so you know he has some points he wants to hit, and you know that there's some point he wants to reach. So I wonder, you know, like you know, this—he's not making this to kind of be like. Uh, uh, law and order and run for like 50 years he knows he has a beginning and a middle and an end point mm-hmm. so I wonder if even though it feels episodic if he's trying to set I mean he's building his galaxy he's setting up his character but I wonder if where he's driving us towards because he must have a plan he obviously yeah. has a plan. and we gotta give Favreau credit too obviously. Mm-hmm. clearly yeah. clearly they know what they, they know where they want to get to I guess was my point and you know, sometimes that's that where to get to may just be can be contained in nine episodes of one hour. Sometimes it takes several seasons of thirty to forty minute episodes. So, kind of figuring out, you know, that at some point some of these elements will come to the foreground again. You know, I again, I the thing that stuck out with me on just on the surface, level, I love the way this whole thing was shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, we mentioned you know the the cameos with the x-wing pilots mm-hmm. and is it is it deborah chow is that right deborah chow i think so if that's her first name but anyway yeah. she she directed sanctuary right. and she also directed the episode that dropped tonight okay and she's the one doing i believe she's the one that did tonight um she's also the one who is doing um uh the obi-wan series and i am now she did those two episodes of the Mandalorian and I am totally on board with her doing, um, the Obi-Wan series because this episode was from, uh, Rick, uh, from you, who, who well, the prison, the prisoner is, yeah, the prisoner, is the prisoner, the one, the one that dropped tonight is, uh, is, is Deborah Chow. I'm just, I I was kind of fast forwarding here a little bit. Um, but again, I, I think it's been really cool to see each director have a different take on, you know, different eye, um, but like I said, I really dug this episode with just the lighting and the camera angles and everything, like I said before. Um, but I think your point is very well made, Dave, that you're right. This is the, the overall arc is not the plot. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's something a lot deeper than that. And that's 
you know, kind of interesting that Star Wars is going into a, you know, deeper realm, but that's why they have to have this fan service stuff because you can still enjoy these episodes without doing a one hour podcast, you know, <laughs> on it, you know, that's so. And yeah. And I think like too, it's, it's fun to, it's fun to take part in the episodes in, in the way that we're being asked to as viewers with this blank slate and how we have to interpret things kind of forces you to pay attention a little bit better in a way because you mm. you know that the body language is going to convey certain things i go back to his interactions with the widow where she would leave the room and his gaze would just fix on her um and just kind of a you know wistful like ah it would be nice to be with her kind of a yeah. thing you can infer all of that just from him holding his gaze in a particular direction for an extra second um and it's enjoyable and it keep it keeps me invested week after week. So um real quick, um, as we start to wrap up, just a little little temperature check. Um Baby Yoda, overdone yet? Not yet, no. No, no. But really. you're right, like they keep putting him in arm's way and eventually it's just gonna ring a little hollow, I think. You know, I, I I almost wonder if the 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 cliffhanger that's going to be at the end of this season is, you know, some big kaboom, and then we have to wait, you know, a year, <laughs> however long to see did Baby Yoda make it. But you know, I I will say you know it's kind of like Gremlins. The Mogwais are cute. Gremlins too, yeah, kind of over it. You know what I mean? So. That is, that is, I think they're doing, I think they're just smatter, you know, putting a little smattering of him in, you know, at the proper times. It is, I, it'll be interesting to see if Baby Yoda is part of the plot in season two. Because the other thing is, I mean, we've established that he's a long lived race. We've established that even though he's 50 years old, he's no more than a toddler at this point, doesn't have vocal skills. He clearly can hear well and can do some stuff, but he's <coughs> not even, you know, speaking so to speak not to put it that way um so in other words this is somebody who's going to lead decades in order to reach even the point of a child who can go to school or whatever in other in other words it may be a situation where that may be the purpose of the mandalorian find where he can leave him that he can be safe and grow because it's going to take him a century or so to reach adolescence. Never it's going to be tag team parenting, basically. Yeah, I want to. Well, I want to. I want to see Baby Yoda say, "You're not my dad." Well, that's the thing. He's not going to live. You know, know, even if he lives to a long age, I don't expect the Mandalorian is of a species that lives as long as the as Yoda species. Oh man! Now I want a Baby Yoda <laughs> series, essentially. Where okay, so he's on the Mandalorian. So then, okay, we'll have that for a while. He'll be parented by Mando. Then next parent, and then we're gonna be told that story. I'm here for it. You can pick I'm him down. a few decades later, and he's or a few centuries later, and he's now grown, and he's now a teenager. He's being all rebellious and whatnot. Oh yeah. All right. So uh, as we get towards the end here, um, I have and, and we said leave expectations at the door tomorrow, seeing the rise of Skywalker. So what? What? what could happen that would make you throw down your popcorn and want to leave the theater? 
what is a moment that you would be dreading? What would make you go, you know, what would ruin it for you? I will start it off. I think if they do anything to Chewbacca, the Millennium Falcon, or C-3PO, or R2-D2, that would that would just tick me off if this is the last quote unquote the last you know they they did anything to those four in a permanent way that would like make me I wouldn't leave the theater but it would make me mad that's mine I think they're evergreen I don't think that's going to happen but it's my fear is that we're going to see Chewbacca flying the Millennium Falcon all of a sudden and. Yeah. No, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything that would make me upset with it. I don't know. I, I really don't know if there's anything. I mean, the fact of the matter is... is Misa back! Oh. Even that. <laughs> even that. And, and by the way, that was a wonderful uh, callback oh, yeah. that in the episode. That's right. You said don't want to show your face. That's, that's right. right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's pretty funny. You know, I'm going with no expectations. One of the things, for all the criticisms... I'm, I'm, I'm saying no expectations, but I'm saying what would ruin it for you. No, but I'm saying uh, one of the advantages, despite what uh, a lot of the critics would say regarding Last Jedi, is Ryan Johnson left a wide-open space for J.J. Abrams he to did. play on. He had freedom from all the <laughs> all the uh, puzzle boxes and all the trap doors that he had set himself up. He was free. He was free to write whatever story he wanted, to design whatever movie he wanted, to take these characters to a conclusion, whichever way he wanted. So I think I'm just going to go in there and see, okay, how do you conclude this guy, this story? I don't necessarily, and this is one of those things that like kind of gets me upset, there's always this desire within fandoms or fan bases to demand an answer to everything. And that's not really a need for that. You don't need to know where every secondary character came from or where so-and-so got the... this. why there are comic it. books and other books, yeah. Well, but that's like, there, there are ways to get that if you need it, but this, your story you know, in your movie should tell the story in the movie. You don't need to give uh, you know, an hour of exposition just to set up your movie. You shouldn't. You've already, you've already had two movies. You know what the stakes are. You know who the characters are. You know yeah. who the players are. Let's just wrap this up in a good comfortable I, I think that would be the biggest thing that would upset me if we get to the end and i find that i'm sitting there going like that's it that might that might make me upset but other than that no i'm i'll just want to see what where, where we go next i tend to agree no like, what would make you throw down your popcorn and go i'm out baby yoda comes out as dark as palpatine i was trying to think of like there's a lot of like unlikely things like you, you mentioned like Jar Jar coming back or Padme or some of these prequel era characters like well, Padme is dead. But that for, would, she died of a let, me, let me ask you, Force Ghost Padme. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> uh, I would roll my eyes. Um, I don't think that's particularly likely, though. So um, as far as things that might be something that might occur that might I might not like um, undoing Luke's death. Um, a lot of people didn't like how Luke was handled in the last movie, and uh, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was perfect, and um, so if they changed that, I would be very disappointed. Um, beyond that, I mean, there's really not a lot. I, you talk about leaving your expectations at the door. I, I have one expectation. I want it to have a sense of scale 
I want it to be big and crazy and insane and for there to be things that I've never seen in a Star Wars movie before. Um, and if they, they fall short of that, I'll be like, well, okay, it was still fun. Um, but that's really what I'm hoping for. And I guess, okay, we don't need to talk about it now, but we may discuss it once we sit down and have seen Rise of Skywalker and kind of what's going to happen next. Because it's an interesting discussion that should be happening about you know that after this I think movie, their money is in Disney Plus. Yeah, well, that's what's interesting. You know that they've announced there's going to be a break from the movies. Technically speaking, you know, you've had the Game of Thrones guys deal fall apart. The Ryan Johnson trilogy deal is kind of murky. The Kevin Feige produced movie the trilogy is kind of, you know, murky. You know, when you look back at all the issues that they've had putting movies, Star Wars movies ever since Disney got it, you know, they had Issues with Gareth Evans in Rogue One and editing that. They fired uh, Lord and Miller out of Solo and brought in Ron Howard. They fired uh, Colin Trevorrow out of Episode 9 and had to run to go get J.J. Uh, Abrams back in here. You know, and then you have all these deals that they've announced that are either falling by the wayside or kind of sitting in hiatus. So it'll be an interesting discussion to see where they go beyond uh, Episode 9 and if they're, if, like you said, if they're going to be, okay, we're going to focus exclusively on Disney Plus, or if after a few years of letting the field get you know, replenished, they're going to come back with what? Would your faith be shaken somewhat if this movie wasn't good or you didn't like this movie? Because given what you're telling me about, you know, again, all this well-documented stuff that we know goes on behind the scenes. No, I don't think, I don't think my faith would be shaken because... Part of the dynamic is, you know, I can take the movie as its own thing, you know. Right. But I do think it's it's an interesting discussion that, you know, can be had regarding the dynamics of having bought up one of the biggest properties in movie history, bringing it back to life, uh, trying to pump billions of dollars into it because, well, you bought this asset, you have to use it. And then kind of running into all the trips and falls that come with, Okay, we're not just making one movie, we're making a franchise or we're expanding a franchise and you know, you know when you look at everything from uh this I mean, they've had issues with the video games with their deal with Electronic Arts, they've had issues with um some of the other properties that they've tried to make. I think really the books are the only stuff that like everybody's like, "Oh yeah, that's good." And then The Mandalorian. So, on a lighter note, we're going to kind of spoil the entire movie right now because I found the track listing that we talked about the last episode. <laughs> found the track listing for the Rise of Skywalker soundtrack. On Spotify. Um, and so here they are. It's going to spoil. It's like in episode one, one of the tracks actually was, you know, Qui-Gon's funeral. Um, so, but here we go. This is spoiling the entire movie for you. And it really isn't. But anyway, track one, Ray Trains. Next one, Ships Landing, followed by Tatooine Sunset. Next, Ray's parents are Ewoks. Track five, Lin-Manuel Jedi Rap. Track six, Poe and Finn Bone Remix. <laughs> Track seven, Watto's Revenge. Track eight, Darth Maul Cameo. Track nine, Cantina Song featuring Blues Traveler. <laughs> Track 10, C-3PO is Evil Now. 11, More Like Daddy Vader. Uh, 12, Millennium Falcon Explodes. 13, Chewie Sent to Prison. 14, Boba Fett is Alive. 15, Warning from Hands Ghosts. 
I actually said Hans. Hans Ghost. Hans. <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah, no. Whatever number I'm on. Surprise, Luke's alive. Next one, Luke dies again. LOL. No. Next one, whole galaxy burns down. Next one, it was all a dream. And then <laughs> finally, Jedi rap reprise. End credits. <laughs> there you go. That's the whole movie. In a nutshell. <laughs> Ray's parents are Ewoks. I like that one. Oh, I love how that comes oh, right after Tatooine Sunset, which is like semi-plausible. And you're like, oh gosh, these are spoilers. And then yeah. go right into the Ewok. Okay. So I guess one last one, just one last quick guess. What do you think the rise of Skywalker means? I still have this I am Spartacus moment where Skywalker becomes, you know, a lot of people saying I am Skywalker, I am Skywalker, I am, you know, it's like becomes a, a, not not a name but a, a title, a, a like title. right i was thinking maybe it'd be like a title like caesar like because remember you know the roman emperors called themselves caesar because they were taken after julius caesar which he didn't call himself caesar he, that was his name Could i be would little... be okay with luke coming back as a force ghost and having a crazy force ghost type of battle with the evil force ghosts and yeah, Palpatine. Yeah. You mean kind of like being big trouble in little China? <laughs> when, <laughs> there you go. They were like, uh, you know, yeah. they're all dueling, and, and then all of a sudden they they form like armored vest, you no know, spectral figures, and they're dueling. See, we're revealing our ages, I think. Uh, right, yeah, and we've big we've started talking about big t- trouble in little China. So I think it's time to go to bed and wrap this episode up of the Hudat Jedi. And uh, Saints have uh, Tennessee on Sunday. And let's hope it's not a trap game because we need to win out and we and go Vikings beat uh, Packers. Packers. Yes, go Vikings. And um, you go know what? Seahawks. It's it's actually plausible that uh, actually the Rams have the 49ers, so it's plausible that they could you know the beat them. They might yeah, be hungry. Yeah, Rams have been a little feistier lately, a little bit. But uh, but anyway, so go Saints. I'll have to find a place in Nebraska to watch the game, which is going to be tough. But Brittany and I will find it. So anyway. Um, with that, we will say good night and uh, thanks for listening. Check us out on Podbean and on Facebook and on Twitter, Hoodat Jedi. And uh, we will see you after the Rise of Skywalker and the next Mandalorian episode. So, with that, we'll say Hoodat. Hoodat. Makanki.